Welcome to the Wealth is in the Details podcast. In this podcast, financial planner Peter Raskin helps families and business owners understand and prepare for their wealth journey. Along the way, thoughtful and detailed planning can provide clarity and confidence as clients confront a multitude of financial decisions. Listen in as Peter shares stories and insight into people's wealth journeys. Now, let's get into today's podcast. Hello and welcome to Wealth is in the Details with Peter Raskin from Raskin Planning Group. Peter, how are you? I'm doing great. How about yourself, Eric? I'm doing fantastic. I know we're doing part two of a a two-parter of frequently asked questions that you get. That's right. Uh, But we had to wait to do part two because you were on vacation. I've been away. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, you told me a little bit about it, but share with the audience, where'd you go? We went to Scotland for uh, almost a couple weeks and just had my wife and myself and just had uh, a wonderful trip. Just, it felt so good to get away. We... The, the Scottish Highlands are spectacular. We just had a, just a ball. It was wonderful. We, we, had, um, we had the trip planned with an organization called Audley Travel, A-U-D-L-E-Y. Hmm. And I don't know if you remember, but it was one of our first podcasts. It was, one, I think it was probably with number, maybe number 10. We did a, a podcast with Audley Travel. Oh, and, as a guest. Uh, they talked to us about customized travel. That's right. And we used them to help us plan this trip, and it was just wonderful. Just a great time. Oh, man. Uh, and just so happy to be back. However, on the way back, or maybe while still in Scotland, I contracted COVID and and tested positive yesterday. So I'm, I'm a little under the weather, but feeling fine. You mm. know, just like a, like a, a cold. Yeah, a little fatigue, but that's the way of the world. You let your guard down, and and this is what happens. So. Yeah, well, most people, you know, I went to Scotland. All I got was this lousy T-shirt. <laughs> you got so much more. <laughs> we did, but, right? But hopefully, you didn't give it to anybody else. You know, this isn't a this isn't a uh, a souvenir that we want to give to anybody else. I hope so. My wife is is still negative, so oh, uh, good. So we'll see. That's good to hear. Well, you're chipper. You look great. Uh, I'm excited to be back with you. And I know on the first podcast, we got through five of the frequently asked questions. So if you haven't heard of that podcast, please go back and listen to it, audience. Um, they're, they're great questions. And now we're, we're going to pick right back up with number six. That's right. I'm looking forward to it. All right, Peter. And, and the, the thing is, is that, you know, you had this list for me a couple of weeks back, you know, before you went on vacation and everything, and six is still true. The markets are horrible. Why would I invest now, Peter? Yeah. I, you know, before I left, I was getting a lot of those questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the reason is not, not because the markets are, are currently good or bad. The reason that you would invest now is because you're interested in long-term returns that exceed inflation. Yeah. We've talked about this. It's all about timing. When do you think you need your funds, your cash, your income from the asset? If the answer is a long time from now, eight, nine, ten years or longer, then we're seeing volatility. The markets don't feel that comfortable. 
But the reason you'd invest now is because you're thinking forward. You're thinking mm -hmm. ahead. You're 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 not trying to time the market. Markets could continue to go down. They could start going up. We just have no idea the timing. We talked a bit about um, dollar cost averaging last time we were uh, the the previous question, a a a and that helps investors get into the market. Um, but the reason why to invest now is because markets do go up and down. Right now, they're lower than they were six months ago. But actually, markets have made a pretty significant move recently. Hmm. And that's the issue. We don't know when and how it's going to recover. But last week, this is the, this is, today's August 1st, the week ending July 29th, uh, the broad markets, the S&P 500, it was up over 4% last week hmm. in just that, one week. Wow, okay. And quarter to date, which means from July 1st through the end of, of the month, um, the markets were up over 9%. And okay. markets are still down for the year. They're down over 12.5%. So from January 1st through uh, the end of July, they're down. But they made made a pretty good recovery, not complete. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't know if we'll, it'll, we'll see more volatility. But there's no good time or bad time for long-term investors. If you're short term and you're if you're a short term investor, meaning two, three, four years, then all bets are off. I don't know when when is the right time. Yeah. Uh, you have to be more conservative at, at, if that's the case. And there's other options that you would be more than willing to talk to people about, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, we'll, we'll do contact information at the end of the show like we normally do. Um, sure. Peter, I got to be honest, I'm excited about the next question because I know the answer. I already know the answer to this one. Um, and the only reason I know the answer is because you did a full podcast on this. I don't remember the number. I'll ask you about that in a second. But um, the question is, when should I take Social Security? And and do you happen to remember when you did that podcast? I don't remember when. It was podcast number 15. Oh, okay. Well, that's perfect. Yeah. It, it, the title is, How Does Social Security Fit Into Your Investment Plan? And so we, we, did, we did talk about it. We did. Um, a, a long time ago. And so the answer is, it depends. It depends. Yeah, that's my favorite one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's my favorite answer. Yeah. Um, so, you know, taking Social Security, it, it, so it's a, you're, you can take Social Security starting at age 60. If the, and for every year you defer taking Social Security, your Social Security benefit goes up. Yeah. Um, we recommend typically, if possible, if, if health is good, that people defer taking Social Security until at least full retirement age. And full retirement age for people retiring about now, born after, after 1959 or 1959 or, long, or, or, or older, is about 66 in 10 months. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's full retirement age. Mm -hmm. And so th th if, you, if you defer until full retirement age, you, you, you get a reasonable benefit amount for every year you defer taking it after age your after your full retirement age your social security benefit goes up by eight percent well yeah and that's that's a pretty significant increase mm -hmm. also what you get every single year is the social security benefit the, so, the, the social security inflation benefit so your social security is going up with inflation and and that what that's what makes deferral so powerful um, especially when in the inflation, when inflation is a little bit higher. So 
it depends because it's so de- that the the answer depends upon your health. If your health is good and you have a reasonable life expectancy, meaning you're going to live another 10, 11, 12 years, or you might live 10 or 12 years, I, I think it's a reasonable bet to defer taking it to at least full retirement age and then beyond. Mm-hmm. 67, 68, 69, and 70. At age 70, you want to take it. There's no reason to defer beyond that. Got it. Um, but it also depends upon your, 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 your marital situation, especially if, you're, if your spouse is younger. Uh, if your spouse is significantly younger, it makes a great deal of sense to defer taking it till 70. If you can afford to take it, mm-hmm. uh, it, it because the spouse will likely reap those benefits if they were if the spouse is, is was not did not earn as much as the as the the primary earner mm-hmm. so there's a lot that goes into the decision but for the most part defer if health is good until at least age 70 that's my typical recommendation got it yep all right number eight is when should i start taking money out of my retirement plans yeah, we get that question all the time. I bet. <laughs> and there, it's actually a very complicated answer. Um, it depends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, for, for many of our clients, um, they're blessed with, with uh, large retirement account balances. They've got significant other assets. And they're going to be probably remain in a fairly high tax bracket. In, in retirement. Uh, and so it, the answer is it's truly driven around tax brackets. And so uh, I, I don't want to get into the, the conversation about marginal tax brackets today. We, we've got a bunch of other questions that we, we want to answer. But it, it does make sense to begin taking monies out of retirement accounts earlier than later, sometimes. So I'm not giving a, 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 a definitive answer for, because it's different for every single person. Uh, but for many of our clients, it makes sense to begin dripping monies out of social secu- out, out of retirement accounts uh, between, let's say, 65 and 70. Start taking it out of your retirement accounts, your IRAs, your 401ks, especially if you, uh, assuming you've retired. Mm-hmm. Waiting for Social Security to kick in at age 70. So taking it out of your retirement plans, deferring taking Social Security. And that will provide a, some, some advantages to the retiree. Eventually, at age 72, they're forced to take required minimum distributions. And if we can reduce those required minimum distributions, that may be tax-advantaged for the, for the retiree. So that's a reason to take it out a little bit earlier and possibly manage ta- marginal tax brackets a little bit more. The other reason to think, think about taking it out earlier is that for a married couple, their mar- marginal tax brackets are, are expanded, meaning you can earn more money and, and pay a, a, a little bit lower marginal tax bracket because you're married. But if you're a single person, those tax brackets are compressed. If, if, if one person of the couple passes away, then going forward, the survivor is filing as a single taxpayer. Mm-hmm. 
And because of uh, the single tax brackets are compressed, they may be forced into a higher tax bracket, actually. Yeah. And so for the survivor, it may make sense that there be lower required minimum distributions or, or, or so that the tax brackets are, are a, a little bit less. So that's why it may make sense, again, to take it out a little bit earlier. Um, but that's not always the case. Sometimes it makes sense to, to keep on deferring. <laughs> so Got it. It, again, as, I, as I've said already on this podcast a bunch of times, it depends. Yeah, individual situations. And, th- and yeah. that's why we give your contact information at the end, because I, I like that you're giving examples because they're, it's going to fit a lot of people. But at the same time, there's still more complexities within that individual that this sounds about right. But I also have A, B, or C. So that's why a discussion is needed. Absolutely. Yeah, and we, and we go through a detailed analysis when we're doing this, this modeling. Yeah. Uh, we want to make sure that the recommendation is, is a, a prudent and, and reasonable recommendation for that client. And so we take into account all these different uh, uh, variations on the situation. All right. Well, that takes us to number nine. I want to relocate, Peter. Should I rent or should I buy? Again, we, 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 we're getting this question a lot these days. Because, really? Yeah, well, because of COVID, um, you know, the world's changed a bit and people are moving to different places uh, mm-hmm. around the country and frankly around the globe and, and so there's there's a little bit more freedom of, of of movement i'm finding for especially for those those clients that are are are, are working still mm-hmm. but they can work anywhere for those clients that are retired and they're looking to move elsewhere for you know for a variety of reasons it could be family it could be weather wh- whatever reason we're getting that question a lot these days and I think it, 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 it's an interesting question because it's so dependent upon their, their personality. Mm-hmm. You, you know, I think there's nothing wrong with renting and there's nothing wrong with buying. They're both good options. Yeah. And, and just because you buy doesn't mean you're not having expenses. The cost of, of owning a home is quite significant. You've mm-hmm. got responsibilities, you've got taxes, you've got insurance, you've got maintenance. There's lots of stuff that, that happens with, with, with when you purchase a home. Um, when you rent, you've got a monthly expense. You may not have a mortgage, you may not have property taxes, but you've got, you got a monthly rent. And um, it's, it's very reasonable to think about short-term and long-term. From a short-term perspective, I think it makes a lot of sense to, to rent. Figure out where you want to be. Figure out where, what neighborhood you want to be. Mm-hmm. What your life will be like in that new location. If this is a vacation home, uh, make sure you like being where you are. People have aspirations for a second home in a new location, but when they get there, um, some people have regrets. They don't. They don't love it. They don't need to be there or mm-hmm. want to be there. So renting is a really uh, a, a good option, I think, for a lot of people, for short term. Long term, you know, 10 plus years, five plus years even, I think buying can be a very, uh, can be a, a, a financially a, a, a good decision. You know, real estate prices tend to go up, especially in nice places. It makes sense. It becomes more of an investment. But there's nothing wrong with renting to kind of get your bearings, to make a decision. So I it's less of a financial decision than it is often kind of a personality. Do you want to dive in? Are you willing to commit? That, that's when you might want to think about 
think about renting or buying. It, it just becomes a personal choice. Yeah, and I, I think now it, uh, what I'm hearing a lot, and this is just among my friends and things, and, and you know that I just sold one of my homes and moved into my other one not too long ago. The concern is you, you, people are trying to weigh, do I rent right now, because rents are high. If I wait, interest rates are going up, but the housing market is a lot of people are thinking it's going to go down because of the interest rates going up so on and so forth the, the buying frenzy seems to be slowing down a little bit in a lot of the country not everywhere but in a lot of the country so maybe home prices will go down a bit but if the interest rates are going up and they're having to finance it, again there's a lot of a lot of things to decide I, I think renting right now for a lot of people is is the option just to watch what the market's doing yeah, but you know, Eric, we've talked a whole bunch about market timing, and yeah, often true. people think about market timing with the stock market, and you certainly want. You, you, there's no, there's no good choice. Yeah, you know, and and but for those long-term buyers of property, you know, whether the markets will continue to go up or they'll go down, or interest rates will go up or down, it makes less of a difference. You know, if you, frankly, if if the decision is so dependent upon mortgage interest rates, maybe they shouldn't be buying. You know, mm. it, yeah. it, and that that to me is a, a, a important decision. If there's if there's options here, um, consider those options. That's yeah. all you want to look at. Look at look at. There's no there's no right or wrong answer all the time. Yeah, and I, I I want to avoid that kind of market timing decision. It's Good point. Think about more about your objectives. What are you trying to achieve? When are you trying to achieve it? And then and then deploy those assets. What whatever gets you closer to your objective. All right. Well, this next question is very similar, uh, just it on is. a smaller on a smaller scale, right? <laughs> I need a new car. Should I buy or should I lease? Yeah. Well, I get that a lot. <laughs> that question. So again, it's all about a, a lot of this decision is about personality. Now, let me before I fully answer the question, I believe that paying cash for used cars and and keeping your cars for a long, long time is your best financial decision. Right? I mean, yeah, pay cash, don't buy new and and, and drive the cars for a long time. That's that's the least expensive kind of car. Now, not everyone wants to do that. And as you mentioned, it's not but buying a car is not as big a, as big a decision as buying a, a home. It's far less money, but it's a depreciating asset. It just is something you use. So my advice is is then figure out what again back to your objectives. If you want to keep a car for a long period of time buy a car whether it's new or used i think that's again a personal choice i buy new cars for example that's just my personal choice it's my preference i can afford them that's what i do but a lot of my clients would never buy a new car mm -hmm. they're financially prudent they they that's what they decide to do and that's perfectly fine it's great other clients want newer cars every bunch of years. They want the newest technology. They want to feel safe. They don't want to have to worry about maintenance. That's a personal preference. And they also may not drive a lot. You know, especially today, I find people are driving a lot less. But, but maybe those clients should could consider leasing. 
Mm-hmm. Leasing True. works okay if you're if you want to buy if you want a new car every few years, two, two and a half, three years, if you do low mileage and you're willing to, to and you want a nicer car to buy, to drive. Leasing is good. It becomes an expense. It it, it becomes a or just a, a a a depreciating expense that you're that you're paying each and every year forever. And that's the problem with leasing. I find mm-hmm. so I, I personally would rather buy a car, drive it, drive it many years. When I'm starting to feel like I'm I'm really out of touch with technology and new and safety, that's when I want to I want to buy a new car. Uh, leasing, I did that for a number of years, and I just didn't like it. I, I didn't like the the feeling that I needed to give away this, give back this newer, this fairly new car. Mm-hmm. So yeah. again, it's more about personal preference for a lot of our clients. I, my first choice is buy a used car, and then from there, kind of just decide what your uh, your your long term objectives are. Makes a lot of sense to me. All right, uh, next question number eleven out of twelve. We've got two more questions here. How much life insurance do I need, Peter? Yeah, well, we're often you know meeting with clients about their comprehensive financial plan. This is this is what we do. So. Life insurance is a piece of the of the, of the of the of the pie. It's all about the risk side of their of their plan. Life insurance, as a as a as a as a strategy, as a product, pays a, a, a large death benefit, tax free, to survivors. That's the obvious, right? Everyone knows what life insurance is. Mm. Life insurance is really important when a a an earner. A, a worker has a family that's dependent upon their income. And that decision about how much life insurance is, is a really important decision. Not everyone needs the same amount. It depends upon your liabilities, depends upon your cash flow, depends upon your assets, it depends upon what, what you want to provide for your survivors. And so the amount of life insurance that you need depends upon all of those other factors and that's why it's part of a comprehensive financial planning decision so whenever a client that we're working with asks us well how much do i need my response is well let's update your plan Mm -hmm. let's think about what your liabilities are and i consider education for kids a liability in the sense that because that's that's an obligation that you that you have that you want to you want to meet um is it private school is it is it public school that you want to fund for um do you want to uh give your your surviving spouse the option to stay at home or to work part-time what will your social security benefits be um what what kind of other debt do you have student loans mortgages do you have other family members that you might want to support and provide for? So the, that's the, the kind of the basic analysis that we do. What, what I'm seeing is a lot of our clients are in their 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s, and their needs for life insurance have become just different. It's more mm-hmm. of a want, and, and um, they de- they've decided at, certain, at a certain point in life that they they want life insurance to do other things for them. Maybe it's to help defray the cost of, of, uh, of estate taxes. Maybe it's to reimburse the family for, 
for long-term care expenses that have been incurred or medical expenses that have been incurred. So, so the, or some, some of our clients are, are interested in providing for charity. So purchasing life insurance at any point in time can be a reasonable option for people. And, and back to the comprehensive wealth planning, it so depends upon the objectives of the clients. That's, that's the focus. And that's the only way to get the real answer to that question, that important question. Yeah, absolutely. All right. We're going to wrap up this podcast and this, this two-part series with this last question. And this is very interesting. I'm, I'm really interested to hear what you have to say. Peter, should I pay off my mortgage? Yeah, this is an ongoing question that we have. And, and usually it's, it's from people that um, are in a good financial situation. So they've mm-hmm. got the cash flow to, to pay it off, either, either a lump sum or sooner than their, their, the terms of their mortgage. And in my opinion, this is really an investment decision. Cash in the bank, earning very little, but then having the, the cost, the interest costs of debt. Mm-hmm. And right now, if you were to go out and, 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 and get a new mortgage, you're, you're looking at interest rates over 5, 5%, yeah. which is really double what it was six months ago. Mm-hmm. So it's an amazing increase and a significant increase in costs to to uh for for a mortgage for for many of our clients they they, it becomes an investment decision because they they have options they can invest their their funds their assets and maybe achieve greater long-term returns in that investment portfolio other clients don't want to take that risk Mm -hmm. they want they want their safe money to be safe they consider money, you know, mortgage debt as a burden, and, and they and they want to pay it off. They don't want that interest cost, and so I think it's perfectly fine to pay off a mortgage at, at any point. You know, for those clients that are 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 sitting on a two and a half percent mortgage right now, I might recommend that they consider not paying it off because I think over a twenty or thirty year period they are likely to achieve better returns in a, in a portfolio mm-hmm. of stocks and bonds uh, on an after-tax basis. But having said that, if they feel more comfortable paying it off and they can afford to pay it off, that's perfectly fine and good. I know I, I paid off my very low interest rate mortgage not too long ago, and it felt really good. Yeah. felt really good to do it. So uh, there's uh, nothing, nothing right or wrong with paying it off early. I think it becomes really an investment decision, comfort decision, risk decision for, for any of us. All right. Any closing thoughts? You, you covered a lot in two podcasts. Any closing thoughts for today's podcast? Yeah, no, I think the, there are so many questions we get on a regular basis. Um, this is just a small sampling of them. And I'll, I'll, in the future, I'll, I'll likely do, um, you know, every every four or five, six months, another frequently asked questions podcast, because I think it's it's of interest and it's, it's more current. But these are pretty standard. These are evergreen questions that I've been getting mm-hmm. for, for 30 years. <laughs> and so I, I find that uh, the more topical questions are more about what's happening in the economy and the markets. And, um, and from a short-term perspective, Long, I, I like to answer and, and do the deep analysis with these kinds of questions that are, are, are very personal 
and and different for each person like the question about social security like the question about taking money out of my retirement plans renting or buying you know those are those are fun questions for me to answer because I, 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 I refer back to their personal objectives and their personalities and and that it's more of a conversation and I find that really interesting and fun and uh, helping helping clients make decisions is what it's all about all right sounds good peter i'm going to throw down the gauntlet uh, for you the listener you heard peter say it just now he loves to do these frequently asked question podcasts every quarter or half a year at least so if you've got questions email them in i know that peter and his team will answer them right away you don't have to wait for the podcast to come out but if you have the question most likely somebody else has the question too and they just haven't asked it so peter how can they email in questions for you well, probably the best, uh, easiest way to, to remember to uh, to to uh, connect with us is through our our website at raskinplanning.com. Um, they can also send me an email at peter.raskin at lfg.com, and uh, happy to to uh, be be in correspondence and answer any questions. Fantastic, Peter. Thank you for your time and welcome back. Thanks, Eric. You appreciate bet. it. All right. And our last thank you goes to you, the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Wealth is in the Details podcast with Peter Raskin. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Peter comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And we humbly ask that you share this podcast, rate it, and leave a review, as this actually helps other people find the show. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Raskin Planning Group, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Wealth is in the Details podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corp. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Peter Raskin is a registered representative of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Securities offered through Lincoln Financial Advisors Corp., a broker-dealer, member SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Sagemark Consulting, a division of Lincoln Financial Advisors, a registered investment advisor. Insurance offered through Lincoln Affiliates and other fine companies. Raskin Planning Group is a marketing name for registered representatives of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation and its representatives do not provide legal or tax advice. You may want to consult a legal or tax advisor regarding any legal or tax information as it relates to your personal circumstances.